1: So, Anya, what did we watch?
0: Well, Kevin, we just watched Trial and Error Season 2, which of course aired from July 19th, 2018 to August 23rd, 2018. We previously reviewed this show's first season in a previous installment of Mystery to Me. Now we're back for seconds. (laughs) Isn't that right?
1: (laughs) That is right. Uh, and it's one thing that's interesting is like the first season seemed to almost end by leading directly into a second season because you saw the character of the young attorney, Josh getting a phone call about a new case and his, and the daughter of his, his client from the first season was there with him and she seemed interested in pursuing it with him and then cut the season ends. And now it's a long time later. Yep. That uh, daughter, she's gone. She left to pursue
0: other opportunities, I guess.
1: I guess that actress is gone. Yeah. Yeah, but she didn't want to come back. And this doesn't seem to be the case they got the call about.
0: No. What case? What what did they get the call about? I don't even remember. It was it was something. People, their, their phone's ringing. They're back in business. They're going to stay in East Peck. And then Kristen Chenoweth. Season two.
1: So he so in, there appears to be a, a certain amount of time has passed since season yeah. one. Uh, Josh, see that that's a, a problem because when you have a story that seems to be complete, and then oh, let's tell more of it, but that seems challenging sometimes because yeah. didn't it feel it's the story of a, a attorney from New York who takes a case in a small town doesn't it seem like he'd go back to New York?
0: Well, that's what, it, but it you know, but then they set you up, he's going to stay, and it's about him trying to integrate into the town of East Peck.
1: But, but I'm saying just from a character perspective, wouldn't you expect him to go back and perhaps be changed by the experience instead of when you do a season two of a show, it has to be just like season one, only a little bit different. That'd be very different.
0: Yes, that would be very different. I think it would have been stupid to have him go to New York and have a bunch of characters come with him.
1: No, but what I'm saying is the first season was a complete story. Maybe just leave it there.
0: So you say they should have canceled it after season one.
1: Do you think it's plausible for this character to want to stay in this small town?
0: Where he can be the big fish attorney who wins cases?
1: So you bought that.
0: Yeah, I could buy that.
1: I didn't buy that.
0: I I didn't mind it. He he just came off a huge win, uh, and he immediately gets a call about another high-profile case. I can accept that. And I, I, like, I and I
1: guess it's, it's kind of the story of your life. You were this big yeah. city re, uh, reporter. And yeah, who would you, want to
0: move to a hick town? <laughs> you, you, no, I mean Indiana not a hick town. It's a hick state. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. Love the Hoosier state. But I mean, I don't. I, I think you can understand. I mean, they, you, he just won a high profile case basically on his own, and now instead of being a junior, junior you know, maybe partner someday in a big city law firm, he finds a place where maybe people are a bit silly and quirky, but he he likes them and they seem to like him and he can be kind of the big defense attorney in town and, and you know, kind of be an influential player. Some people like being a big fish in a small pond.
1: I guess also my question is, realistically, uh, doesn't it become like a Cabot Cove situation? Because realistically, how many big high-profile murders would happen in a tiny southern town so
0: there's some things that some things in in fiction where it's like you know i think they're more of like a murderer getting off as a technicality rather than you know because there's real proof of their innocence in fiction in terms of fiction storytelling issues and the cabot cove syndrome is one of those things it's like if we're having a good time who gives a shit if cabot cove has a higher murder rate than most war zones i mean I I just, it's like, we're just having fun, cool it. It's like the intro to the MST3K song, you know what I mean? It's just a show, just relax.
1: I guess my response is, I really wasn't having as much fun in season two as I had in season one. Well, I think
0: that was probably for different reasons other than this. What, for you, made this season a lesser? I have some thoughts, but I'm curious to get your thoughts.
1: Uh, The first thing that comes to mind is... The character of the DA, uh, Carolyn Keene, was uh, very strong and intimidating in season one. Uh, And they kind of made her more ridiculous in season two. Yep. They decided to make her pregnant and play that for laughs. And they also kind of uh, played her as having some sort of an unrequited love for the male lawyer josh and that just made the character seem a lot less interesting it didn't
0: work for me at all and i thought this would be a rare case where because they are so antagonistic and literally their jobs are antagonistic i think this show would have been stronger had it not quite consummated their relationship. They consummate their relationship. They have sex in season one, and then by season two, she's pregnant. I actually think this would have been stronger if there'd been some sexual tension there, but they kind of just keep ramping it up because they're in conflict and they're trying to get one over on another, like power plays. I think that would have been actually more interesting to watch. I know sometimes I'm like, oh, fucking slow burn romance. If it's not done well, it sucks. It's just like, why? You two are adults. Why can't you get together? But frankly, in the case of a defense attorney in a small town and the prosecutor of said small town, there's some good reasons why they can't get together. Um, and I think it would have been more interesting to see that connection play out over time if it actually had remained more professional. And to me, it took a lot of the it took a lot of the intimidation factor out of Carol Ann Keene, which is a great name for a character. But um, you know, she's she's now she's pregnant. She's like. She's she seems more needy with him, you know. Like is he the father? Is it someone else? It it just kind of it took some of the sting out of her character that was in season one that made her such a fun character. And I I thought it kind of it was a bit like really like this is like this is what they decided to do because it would have been more fun to see her like in all out running for pro- running for the head DA position mode and just being more ruthless. But instead, she's kind of like. It's not that she's pregnant, it's just the way they're portraying her pregnancy, she's having all these health issues, she's she can't stand up, her you know, her water's breaking, they're making her seem much more helpless, not in a very interesting way either.
1: Yeah, the 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 what we liked about the character, their strength.
0: And like, and then the first season you're legitimately like, we don't know what's going to happen because like Josh is a competent attorney, but he's out of his league. Cause this town has so many weird laws and she knows that. And she knows the politics and she's able to manipulate that. So it makes her an more interesting and more powerful antagonist. Where in this one, it's like, you know, he they're, it's probably going to work out cause they're going to have to raise this kid together. And it's like, okay. <laughs>
1: And then also they decided they introduced a character of a female podcaster. And I guess in an effort to uh, have some sort of uh, patina of romantic tension, it's she's interested in Josh. Josh is interested in her. There's also something with Carolyn Keene. And I don't know if you watched this comedy program to get to watch Romantic Tension and Triangles. And also...
0: They didn't give that woman anything to do, basically. She
1: didn't... She there, there wasn't anything there.
0: They kind of... She almost served a bit of the role of the daughter in the first season, where she's a bit more of, like, the straight man, kind of more of the, injecting a voice of reason into into the proceedings. Um, but, like, I mean, frankly, when is a true crime podcaster ever the voice of reason, frankly? And then, second of all, you know, it, it just didn't feel like it added much or that she was really... You know, like just having her there to be a side romantic interest just felt kind of like, okay, what's the point of kind this? Kind of demeaning. Kind of demeaning. Kind of demeaning. Could have given her something more to do. And frankly, again, you could have a lot of fun with a true crime podcast situation because, you know, a lot of them are just utter garbage and, you know, injecting chaos into the situation.
1: And then it also felt like, oh, we had the quirky small town stuff in season one. Let's amp it up with even more quirky stuff. And so they were doing things like, oh, did you know there's a law in this town? If a woman drives a car, somebody has to run in front of her saying woman driver. Okay, first of all, that's not very funny. No. But secondly, even if it was funny, we saw women driving cars, I'm pretty sure, in season one. So...
0: <sighs> to me, it's, it's less like... It's, it's like if you want to kind of inject some new things, fine. But like, we get it. It's a weird town what i'd like to do is maybe i think what's more fun is like getting more into the characters backstories or how they're connected to the town how they're connected to each other and um they, you know i i don't know like i don't i feel like you could get a little bit more in depth than they did and they kind of went more broad yeah i think it would have been funnier because like again we know and like these characters from season one. We're receptive to hearing more about them. Having it be a little bit more character character driven rather than caricaturing a small southern town, I think might have been the way to go. I mean I like I like some of this stuff. I like how like there's this stupid moose that they all worship. I thought that was that was cute. Reminiscent of Parks and Rec's little Sebastian.
1: A lot of this show was reminiscent of Parks. Was it the same
0: writing team or elements of the same writing team? I don't
1: believe so. Okay, But just, uh yeah, it uh, They're
0: ripping it off shamelessly. Listen, I'm not gonna... But it
1: feels like uh Parks and Rec is an example of this sort of thing done right.
0: I think Parks and Rec injected more humanity into the town of Pawnee, Indiana, so while they did have little quirks like everyone worships little sebastian it felt a little bit more down to earth and like they wouldn't necessarily overload you with a lot of really over the top stuff at the same time it felt like it would introduce things over time and you would you know it 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 just didn't this this seemed like a little overladen (laughs)
1: Yeah, uh, on Parks and Rec, I understand why the character of Leslie loved the town of Pawnee, Indiana, and I could imagine why someone from a big city would be charmed by the city. And when I lived there, it was harder for me to imagine why a person from a big city would fall in love with a town like East Peck in this show. Uh, this show seems to view East Peck with more of, like, condescension and uh, to make fun of.
0: And I also just felt like I thought the first season did a good job making making fun of poking fun at the kind of the genre of true crime of like these documentaries that are showing you, oh, could this guy have done it? And like, you know, all, like it's, it's like poking fun of that by being like, obviously he did. I mean, there's a twist, right, that he didn't do it, but it, it's a lot of it's a lot of like send-ups of that sort of, like, Netflix documentary that we've all seen. And it's like, this very suspicious professor, you know, what could have happened? It's very... I've never seen The Staircase, but that's the documentary it's making fun of. And, you know, I think instead of just kind of repeating the same thing, but with Kristen Chenoweth, maybe... They they
1: try to do something different because with season one, you had a mostly sympathetic person accused of a crime he didn't commit. So in this season... They had someone who was uh, unlikable uh, accused of a crime she did commit. And then they had someone who was very unlikable uh, falsely accused. And the problem is if it's someone unlikable who's guilty you don't really identify or root for them and then when it's someone really unlikable who's innocent you don't identify and root for them
0: i think they were trying to send up the jinx in this one with you know what Kristen chenoweth is the character josh is defending um he is able to acquit her of murder and she's like this very wealthy woman who basically owns the town and she goes into the bathroom and starts talking about like i did it which is a which is the the jinx and you know, and then so then we're having to do a mid-season pivot from it's the same thing as last season to, oh, no, it's very different. But now you have a defense attorney having to, like, basically, like, get her convicted of other stuff and and acquit this other guy who was not funny. I did not enjoy that character who he's trying to acquit, the, like, guy in jail.
1: He wasn't likable. He wasn't funny.
0: No, just just it was like, oh, he's a crazy guy. It's like, oh, OK. <laughs> like that that felt like we're we're really short on ideas here um so i think they they could have benefited from maybe getting a little bit more creative about the structure of the season i mean one thing that comes to mind for me is what if josh starts looking into like an older case a cold case maybe everyone thought they figured out but you know turns out they didn't know as well and, like, you know, and and just kind of maybe try to... If you want to do something different, then maybe try to do it in such a way that you're, you know, we're getting to see the characters in a new situation as opposed to, you know, just kind of doing something that's so reminiscent of the last season, uh, but also lesser, because John Lithgow is, like... A, he's a likable character, even though he's a, you know, kooky, crazy guy who's nuts. You know, you're kind of... And he... One thing I really liked about the first season is he does have this, like, weird father and son slash, like, emotionally needy relationship with Josh that is kind of both sides. Like, it's not just him relying on Josh. It's like Josh comes to really care about him. And, like, that felt like, like, that was a nice emotional core for it. I remember there's, like, there's, like, a, like, there's a part that I really liked where he gives, he's, he talks about, like, oh, I really need this skate key. I need to get my skate key. And it's kind of played for laughs. But then he's like, oh, my dead wife gave me the skate key. And, you know, uh, like, it means a lot. And then he gives Josh the skate key. And Josh is, like, crying. And, like, it's, like, silly. But it's, like, nice. And this one, it didn't really have that kind of heart to it. And when it doesn't have that heart, it just does kind of feel more like a mean-spirited, like, oh, this isn't, isn't small-town America pretty stupid? And it's like, eh. You gotta have. I think Parks and Rec did a good job because it did re- retain a heart. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, Pawnee is, you know, has a bunch of racist paintings of Native Americans and uh, really big portion sizes. Like there were things that made the people in the town seem not all bad, and that that was beneficial. I think you
1: could understand why a person would want to live there.
0: Yeah, but this it it could have leaned into the into that a little bit more and i think it could have maintained that cuz i i mean one one thing i liked about the first season and i liked about the second season was i like josh i like his core team and i like them kind of figuring stuff out together to me that's like that's the show firing on all cylinders i like to watch them because even though they're kind of all a mess in their own way they get shit done and they're trying to figure shit out and they're motivated and to me, that's the heart of the show. So keep keep doing that. And it, it felt like some of the other stuff just didn't need to be as as big.
1: Uh, I didn't care for the... Uh, I'm blanking on the actress's name. I believe she used to be on The View.
0: Sherry Shepard?
1: Yeah, she plays a member of Josh's team. And basically, her character is, is a woman who has an endless string of medical conditions. And that's basically her entire character. Yes, that's very one note, and maybe it's funny for a couple of episodes,
0: but it doesn't really give her that much to do ultimately. Yeah, yeah, I I I thought that joke got old. It felt like they hewed too closely to the first season. Things that you could forgive in the first season, you know, okay, this character's a bit one note. Well, maybe you flesh them out in season two a little bit, give them out, give them something else. But they didn't seem to really do that here. To your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price Priceline. And they had like the guy, the the, his investigator, Dwayne Reed. Suddenly he's a sheriff's deputy again, which kind of felt like I don't know.
1: How would you have done the second season?
0: I think I would have had them look at a cold case and like done more of a documentary spoof of one of those. Like, oh, we're going to look at an old case and talk to all the crazy old people involved and. You could have used that to also get to know East Peck's history a little bit more and, you know, focus on the quirkiness. But also, you know, maybe there's maybe maybe he's finding a reason to want to stay there through this as well. You know, maybe he finds out that there you know, there's there's I don't know, like
1: I really felt he stayed in the town and bought a house in the town for reasons related to the production of the series and not for reasons related to the universe of the show
0: see i I think
1: he needed a better reason
0: i see at the end of the first season he seems really excited to be getting a new case and he's talked about how i don't want my boss to come in and take over
1: and but the problem is that uh in the second season they established that after the first season he goes back to new york for an extended period
0: yeah that 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 that's a really good point i actually i'm gonna be honest i completely forgot that element of it but he goes back to New York and he's settled back in New York. But he's, like, obsessed with – why does he come back?
1: I don't even know.
0: No, wait a minute. Was Are you sure that you have it right? Or was that the end of the first season? Was it the end of the first season where he goes back to New York? And then, like, in, like that's in the last episode. And then he comes back at the end.
1: I thought there was a moment – it, i'm
0: looking i'm getting on wikipedia babe
1: i thought there was a moment in the first season where he uh, pardon me i thought i thought there was a moment in the first episode of the second season where he goes and he sees the female da carolyn keen from the back and she turns around and he sees that she's pregnant
0: so this is this is what happened in chapter 13 the verdict which is the last episode of the first season it says um Caroline Keene changes her mind about the death sentence and sends Larry to jail. Several months later, Josh is back in New York and still trying to figure out how Larry could actually be innocent. So then he comes back once he figures it out.
1: But do you remember the scene I mentioned?
0: And I think he basically makes some sort of statement, if I I recall correctly, that Caroline Keene has been avoiding him.
1: But if you're in a small town. How could that happen? And you're an attorney who goes to court frequently.
0: Which is pretty weak sauce writing wise. Yeah. Why just, why just not have her, maybe just don't make her pregnant. <laughs> I think that solves a lot of problems.
1: Or if you decide to make her pregnant, maybe make that the reason Josh comes back.
0: Right. Yeah. I mean, either way, it's like have it. Bacon. We have the worst of both worlds. We have here. the worst of both worlds, and it doesn't really make sense from a character's perspective because, like, you would think that if he is coming back from New York to be an attorney there, he's going to be all over the courthouse, participating in things there. It's going to be basically impossible for him to not see Carolyn Keene.
1: Or if he's just uh, an attorney, not to hear other lawyers say, "Hey, Carolyn Keene is pregnant."
0: Yeah. So just you know, I think. I think they needed to put more sort of intentionality into the characters this season, and you know, when you don't have that as much, it's like again things that seem forgivable in in one season maybe don't seem as forgivable. And in the
1: Carolyn Keene is running for elective office in a judgmental small southern town, and she seems very ambitious. Would she really allow herself to become a single unwed mother?
0: Well, I mean. I I like, I like, I like her character because on some level she doesn't really give a shit what the town thinks. She's aware of it, but she's able to usually play it to her, to her advantage. Like she'll take her shoes off and throw things at the, you know, people who are being annoying on the witness stand. She's fiery. She kind of does things her way. So I could have, I could have lived with that, but just they did it in a way that just kind of made her come apart at the seams in a way that was not interesting. Like not not in like a, oh, let's really explore her character. Just more of a, you know, like, Josh, come help me kind of thing.
1: Uh, I'm a big fan of Kristen Chenoweth. I don't think she was really given a lot to do here. And she wasn't really fun to watch here.
0: I like the scenes where she just starts singing and then it's like 13 minutes later. Those were kind of funny to me. And you said that you, you wanted me to start doing stuff like that. But it's like she's just kind of a, she's like a bad lady. Just a, you know, I don't know. I, mean, I didn't mind her character. I thought some of her low key moments were actually pretty funny. so I didn't I didn't hate that. But it, it was so reminiscent of the first season that it was sort of like, you know, kind of gets an unflattering comparison because I think like the first season did a better job of this kind of story.
1: And you mentioned that uh, Josh's investigator also inexplicably works for the sheriff's department, which makes no sense. Have a person work for the prosecution and the defense simultaneously. Yeah, I get that
0: they were making a joke out of that, but at the same time, they've established that character as being like very loyal to Josh and considers him his best friend, and like, you know, his like his like his one positive trait is loyalty because he's extremely dumb. So I thought it was a little bit silly to have him be doing that.
1: Yeah, a town can be silly and quirky, but there needs to be internal logic.
0: There needs to be internal logic, and there needs to be internal logic for silly and quirky characters. You know, and I actually liked, I like Dwayne Reed. I like that he is so loyal to Josh because that's like a nice, like, you know, like you're like, okay, he's pretty dumb, but he's like, he's like a dumb dog, you know, like he's just going to follow Josh around and he's, you know, that's a good quality. And like the first season makes it clear that even if he is kind of dumb, he means well. And sometimes he gets it right because of his loyalty. He's willing to do stuff to get the investigation done for Josh that, you know, nobody else will. And I thought that was, I thought that was fun. I liked their dynamic. And, and this one, is just like, oh, well, wouldn't it be wacky if he was also a sheriff's deputy? You know, I don't know. So I mean, the the season was still funny. I still enjoyed watching it with you. And it was like, I still laughed. I still laughed while watching it. But it, it was, uh, so it wasn't like I was like, oh, my God, I hate watching it, you know, this time around. But it was like, I was watching it, and the characters and situations could still be very funny. I could enjoy myself. But it definitely felt like a step down from the previous season. I feel like they, they kind of did something quite well season one and then did it slightly worse than season two. And maybe instead of doing that, maybe do something different and do that well.
1: (laughs) So thank God there wasn't a season three.
0: Well, I mean, I'm going to miss it. I thought i thought the show. I thought the show was pretty good. All in all, again, season two wasn't awful. Wasn't great to me. It was just kind of, it was in the middle. And I, I think I let it pass a little bit because I like season one so much. My question for you is how would you script doctor this? How, what, like, if someone hands you season two, trial and error, go. What do you do?
1: I don't buy him coming back to the town. Okay. If you want to have him come back to the town, he needs to have a better reason. You say maybe he enjoys the attention of a big case. Okay, maybe move to the state capital. I don't remember what state East Peck is in.
0: So I, it, they never specify it because they do not want to offend anybody. So my question is, what do you have? Do you have a new new lawyer come in?
1: Uh, if you want Josh, make give him a reason to come back.
0: What would be a good reason?
1: Well, they, they made the creative decision to have Carolyn Ann be pregnant. Maybe he comes back for that.
0: Yeah kind of soap opera what about if he what if like you write into the end of the John Lithgow season what if you write in like he kind of uncovers something in another case and is kind of interested slash haunted by that and he has an interest in seeing justice done and that kind of ends up dragging him back into town
1: or what if at the end of season one he's given uh, a chance to uh Work for the prosecutor or something. I don't know. I I, I just think... You'd in, want him to
0: switch sides?
1: That would have been different. I, I, I think I think my problem is... There was no reason for the character to spend any more time in East Peck. He seems to view it, the town with condescension.
0: Well, I mean, towards the end, you didn't really get that. He seemed to miss it when he was in New York. He was kind of like... Missed his friends... And, and then seemed really excited when he was getting calls at the end. So, I, I mean, I, I think maybe maybe the thing to have done would be to make East Peck a little bit more hospitable in, in the first season. They kind of wrote themselves into a bit of a corner and then doubled down on that season two by adding even more ridiculous quirks that made it seem more like a dystopia um, than, than somewhere that just has some kind of quirky negative effects along with some positive aspects. So maybe you tone that down in season one, maybe add in a few nice things and make it more clear that he, despite being an outsider, I mean, everyone's like, let's not forget, everyone's like anti-Semitic to him in season one. That's played for laughs, which is kind of disturbing, frankly. That That's one thing that didn't really sit well with me. I mean, Why would he go back based on that alone? Yes. But, you know, so maybe like take out shit like that. Tone it down a little bit because, like, that's just I, I just don't find that that funny that people are being anti Semitic to him. And
1: it seems very much to be a, a the, this is how people from big cities view small towns with scorn and amusement,
0: as they should. No, I'm just kidding. But it's, it, I think maybe tone that down a little bit. You can still have a bit of an edge when you're making fun of people from small towns, but I think it can't be to the point of like outright bigotry or like misogyny. Unless you're gonna address those issues like with a little bit more intelligence or like you know dealing with that, um, it, like all the good characters are being anti-Semitic. It's not like it's portrayed like it's like oh my god this is heinous, um, and so I think that's a problem. When you kind of make it so mean spirited, then it becomes a little bit harder to believe. Tone it down, add some, add some a little, add a little bit more, and I mean I don't know though I I feel like. I feel like if season one ends with him getting the opportunity to open his own law firm and be the be the be a boss, essentially, which is kind of what he indicated he want early in the season. I think then you kind of reduce some of those motivational issues.
1: And then also he's supposedly successful, has enough money to buy a house. But it, doesn't he still have the same little office that's in a taxidermist uh, business?
0: A taxidermist? <laughs>
1: Uh, if he was really all that successful in a small town, couldn't he have rented an actual real See, office? I don't, I
0: don't really mind little superficial things like that. I mean, it's not like I'm not watching a like silly kind of mockumentary style show for like hyper realism. I don't I don't need that if they want it. If like they I mean if they just think it's good luck or like that's where he's kind of known to work. You know, sometimes in business, you make kind of emotional decisions based on what you're used to. I
1: guess for me, things like that don't bother me if the show is drawing me in. I'm sure we could find little things like that in Parks and Rec. Yes. And they didn't bother me. But there's just nothing really worked all that well. But you liked season one. Yeah, season one was fine.
0: What do you think was the big difference?
1: For one thing, season one was pretty much a complete story with the beginning, middle and end. Right. I don't think that story needed to go on other than because of the commercial demands of network television. Right. Not every book needs a second book with the same characters.
0: Do you have seen it as something more like an anthology where it follows like different crimes, different teams, does different kinds of parodies of true crime content, you know? Sure. Yeah, that could work but you know maybe you have some people cross over once in a while but i think that could have been good or if they wanted i think if they wanted to make josh and his team more of the the thing carrying us through maybe i think they needed a little bit more intentionality from season 1 but i mean overall i didn't i didn't think this was heinous i wasn't like frowning and i mean you weren't complaining when we were watching it that much which is unusual for you <laughs> You're a joy to watch with. <laughs> <laughs> I think you made a few comments of like they didn't really seem to know what to do with Caroline Keene's uh, character with this uh, this season, which I definitely agreed with. And you know, I th- I still I still recall you laughing and chuckling throughout this, even when the screen was black, which was kind of creepy. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, I, I mean it uh, is a professional product put together by still <laughs> comedy writers, but it had no heart and it really didn't have any need to exist.
0: Right, it's brutal. You just pull a you just put a bullet in the back of season two's head. I think. I, I, and this I, season's about them trying to quit. You <laughs>
1: <laughs> are there. Show other uh, shows that you feel would have been better off just one season and done
0: true detective yeah yeah I, and don't actually I I did really like uh Marshalla Ellie in season 3 I thought that was good but season 2 was really bad like it was yeah I was not a fan so that that's the one that immediately comes to mind I think it's always better to leave people wanting more
1: yeah Is it ready for you to give your pithy little take, or we have more to say? I'm looking. Uh, it was still fun, but it was kind of more of a trial to watch, and the whole season was an error.
0: <laughs> you tried. <laughs> you Is
1: there a tr- reason you do these? You
0: tried and convicted. Um, We the people find season two of Trial and Error, guilty on the charge of repetition with the mitigating factor of it was still pretty funny gavel bang
1: <laughs> thanks for listening this week i'd like to give a special thanks to kevin t greenley who's no relation to me he's the guy that composed the great music for this podcast and you can find him on the web at kevin
0: you can follow us on twitter at mystery to me that's mystery underscore two underscore me underscore and at mystery to me podcast on facebook and instagram
1: and you can always send us recommendations and feedback of any kind at mystery to me podcast at gmail.com
0: we're not teens setting up hotmail accounts in the early 2000s so all of those spell out two as t-o
1: thanks, thanks so much, much for listening,
0: listening.